0: Welcome to the rodeo kids.com podcast. I am super excited to have you. I am Camerie Widmer, and with us today is Kaylee Smith, who is the author of the book called Speedy Goats the mental edge workbook and she appears to be a goat tying fool so she's right up my alley because I love goat tying as well and then we have Erica Heckman which is our incoming rodeo kids.com podcast intern so we're super excited to have both these ladies today so welcome
1: thank you
0: yeah we will get started with kaylee um i found your book or some information i don't know if you posted the book specifically or just something on instagram and i saw it a couple times and i thought i need to find out more about what this is because i am a total nerd um i love to read i love the self-help stuff and through the rodeo kids ambassadors and that program and then also the performance pony company sponsorship kids I'm always looking for things that can help them get to the next level so I saw this book and I thought I need to find out more
1: so oh, we're... I'm glad that you did that's awesome yeah
0: yeah and then I just got the book last week and um read through it and wow like there's a lot of really good stuff in here and I didn't get through all of it but how did you decide to write a book what made you decide to write a book
1: so, I've kind of always liked uh, reading and writing. I've always been involved in doing that. Uh, my mom's an English teacher and had me writing and reading at a very young age. I loved reading as I grew up, mental books. Um, I felt like that's one of my biggest struggles was always um, my mental game, when I, whether I was doing basketball, volleyball, rodeo. Um, that always hindered me, so I was always looking to educate myself. Um, and I actually had finished my undergrad with my bachelor's and it was the first summer that I had off um from doing any type of schooling and i was like you know what I'm going to take the time that I usually used for studying during the summer and taking online classes and I'm going to sit down and write a book um, yeah <laughs> so that's exactly what I did and um I couldn't believe how quickly I was able to write it I didn't I didn't want it to be hard I didn't want it to be something that um was over the top. I wanted it to be something where um, littler kids could start it and uh, start getting their mental game going, and somebody that's also like in college could read it and be like, oh, this is a nice little pick me up, you know? Um, I yeah. It's the user friendly.
0: It is, when I thumbed through it, that was the word that came to my mind, or the words, user friendly, because it's The wording in it, like it's it's simple to read, but it's still very direct and it gets the point across. And I love how interactive it is and that no matter what age you are, there's enough room for you to write down your your ideas and, and what your thoughts are. And I think that's what it really takes for these books to really sink in and be effective. I mean, you can read a million of them, but unless you actually do the work that they're telling you to do in the books, then you're only getting, you know, a fourth of, of the worth out of them.
1: Exactly. And I even said that in the book. Like, I've read so many work, mental workbooks, and there's never any actual place to do the writing um, that it tells you to go do. And I'm a very bad procrastinator. And so as it's telling me, like, take the time and go write down X, Y, and Z, I would be like, huh, yeah. And then I just forget about it or it off. And I'm like, if I have it written down in front of me, like here are the blank spaces, let us write it down. I'm a lot more likely to do it that way and actually get all of what I needed to get out of the book. Yeah,
0: and I would say that if you are old enough or if your child is old enough to write on their own and read on their own, there might be some words that you have to help them through. But for the most part, any age that is able to read and write can utilize this workbook.
1: Yeah, and like I said, again, that's kind of what my goal was. Um, I've done some clinics. I'm working on doing more clinics. um, But usually my clinics are younger kids, and I see that for them, they just get so either down on themselves so quickly because it's not coming. They see us older girls trying and competing and doing it really well, and they want to do that too. And so they they can't – they don't have the skill set to yet. They're still learning. And so they get so down on themselves – and I'm like, you know, if we can figure out a way to get these younger kids to kind of start looking at the positives, taking the little gains, that will propel them forward that much farther in the mental game. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of one of the things that I wanted in my book was to be able to have it where the younger girls, the eight, nine, 10 year olds, could read it and be like, okay, like if their little buddy is back, that's whispering, like, you can do this, you can still do this. Yeah. As positive as it is.
0: I love that. That's, that's fantastic. That's all like kids.com and the performance pony company. We 100 support what you're doing because that's fantastic. And it lines right up with what we're trying to do. Do is just do too is just give these kids some inspiration and a positive outlook on life and just trying to keep them moving forward and cheering each other on. Exactly. And
1: like rodeo, I love rodeo so much. Um But I love rodeo, not just because it's a sport, it's what you can learn through rodeo. We, You learn so much more by interacting with like a horse than you do people, I feel like. Oh, um, yes. And although we all want to win, it's the journey that you are taking during that course and that sport that makes you a good person, that makes you be able to see the positive, the good sportsmanship and overall shaping your character to be a good person.
0: Yes, I agree 100%. So, how did you get started in rodeo? Did you grow up in a rodeo family, or what's your background prior to this book?
1: So, um, (laughs) my mother's brothers, they both team rope, and my mom was actually a rodeo queen. Um, (laughs) and my mom wanted me to be a rodeo queen, but I couldn't handle the slow, pretty waving of it all. I just, I like to go fast, um and then my mom remarried and her husband he team rode bulldog, calf rode um, and he was really one of the people that was like alright like if you want a rodeo let's do it So I always kind of did youth rodeos on older horses you know nothing really competitive um, and then my mom and uh, my stepdad at the time he's now my adopted dad I um, had moved and we had to kind of get rid of some horses and I had a the girl that taught me how to tie goats she had a horse and she let me use that horse and I'm uh in the go time and so well, I wasn't running barrels I wasn't running poles I wasn't very where and I was tying goats because so I was able to jump horses and borrow horses pretty easily and work on myself I could always tie my foot you know mm-hmm. um, and as I as I got better and better in the go tying um my mom and dad were like all right well let's get back into getting you some horses so you can start rodeoing and and I got a barrel horse and a goat horse and a brave boy horse. Yep. And All it the things kind of building
0: up. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's that's a really cool story. I think it's really neat when parents allow their kids to follow, you know, what what really starts to set their soul on fire. And I kinda have a, a similar story. Not similar but similar. Um I never even tied a goat until a month before my first high school rodeo, but then it it got to where that was something that i could do on my own goat tying is something yes you have to have a horse or a horse that you can borrow uh, but once you 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 can always get better at get-offs but as long as you have a horse that you can go down there and get off on you can work on your groundwork as much as you want alone if you have a tire and four or, or three wooden dowels you can put a goat tying dummy together and spend as much time on that as you want And that's what I love about it, and that was one thing that really benefited me is that I was able to do it alone for the most part.
1: Yeah, and uh, just like you were saying, like your parents supporting you and like set your soul on fire. Like I did sports too. I played basketball. My mom had me in soccer. And there's a funny story with soccer. I got kicked out actually twice because I was too aggressive. Oh no! <laughs> Apparently, you can't throw elbows going for the ball. <laughs> but wow. um, I played basketball, I played volleyball, and I, they allowed me to have all these different options for what I really liked. And then they sat me down and they're like, okay, by time and effort, you can't give 100% to everything. Doing everything, you need to kind of pick and choose, and let's see like what really works for you, and what do you want to do. And I told them I was like, well, I love rodeo. Like rodeo comes really challenging to me. Mm-hmm. Sports were very easy; they just came naturally. And I've always been a person that wants to challenge myself. And so when I said I wanted to do rodeo, I mean, they were like, all right, we will do whatever we gotta do to you know help you be successful in that route. And um, it didn't, you know, they they gave me that support and what. My soul on fire. They didn't. They weren't making me do anything. They weren't like, okay, hey, this is what you have to do. You know, I just not want to do it. They, they were supporting what I wanted to do. Yeah. So
0: stand down. Yeah, and I think that that's really important to get to a point where, rather than filling your plate so full that you can't focus on anything, to experience a little bit of everything and then choose what it is that you really love. Because otherwise, you're just spreading yourself too thin. And I went through an experience where I played, you know, did all the sports and rodeoed as well. And I got so overwhelmed at a young age and I couldn't handle it. Like I was depressed because I was trying to be the best at everything because I'm a hardworking go-getter and I want to win. And I had to choose what it was that i really wanted to win at and i started focusing on rodeo and then i played basketball in the winter because it's cold in iowa during the winter so i could stay in shape that way but um yeah i i don't think that if i would have continued trying to put everything together all the time like ffa and basketball and volleyball and track and Softball and then four events in rodeo and then I added a fifth event. Like to do all of that and to ask your kids or even even almost allow your kids to be that involved is not really conducive to reality or to their psyche in the long run. No,
1: you uh you actually can experience burnout and I did do that. I experienced burnout later in life and That was because not only, like you said, you're a go-getter. I was a go-getter, too. I wanted to put my irons in as many fires as I could put them in and keep all the fires ablaze, and it just didn't work. And you can't make everybody happy. Um, And I felt like that's why I was always trying to find new fires to put my irons in because I was like, okay, well, I I want this person to like me, and I want to make this person proud, and I want to make sure that this person likes what I'm doing and this one and this one. Well, you can't do that, and... Through the burnout process, i learned that the most important person to do things for is yourself. Yes, ma'am. Um, and you need to make sure that what you're doing is what you want to do for you. And it's not for anybody else. You And I also found when I was trying to do stuff for other people, when I was trying to make those other people happy, it was almost like I could never attain that goal. Like, I'm like, well, I'm working so hard it. Why isn't it coming? because mm-hmm. I wasn't doing it for me I was doing it for all the wrong reasons and I feel like the universe kind of inspires against you when you're trying to do something for others instead of for yourself and I don't mean like in helping but when you're doing something for you for somebody else it just it's not it's going to be a lot harder
0: I agree with that when you're yes. doing something
1: for yourself
0: yes and I think that God has a way of saying it's not going to work I don't care how hard you try it's not going to work <laughs>
1: Exactly, exactly. Like the big man upstairs, man. He has some ways where he's like, okay, this is not the path for you, and I know this. You want to go down it so freaking hard, and I'm gonna keep walking it until you turn around and see the path that I have for you.
0: Yes. So let's talk a little bit more about this book. So you have so many cool things in here. If you were to talk about like what I mean, it says how to think train, and transform into a champion. So just tell everybody what the book is really about.
1: So the book is about, like, finding what you want to do, like where your starting point is, I mean, where you want to go, and then how to meet in the middle to progress to where you want to go through your mental routine, your physical exercise, your eating, how to take your ups and your downs, there's not mountains and valleys, but it's more rolling hills, Um, because no matter what, on the way to the top, you're going to have ups and downs, Um, but it's riding that middle wave that's going to help you get to the success, Um, and having that perspective of where you're at versus where, like, your idols are at, Um, and then having the discipline to continue where you're at to get to your
0: higher perspective of self yeah that's a lot and it's awesome I think there's a lot of value in that um, you know and one thing that really stands out to me is that when you were talking about the peaks and the valleys trying to avoid those and or not necessarily avoid them. There's always going to be ups and downs throughout all of life. Whether it's competitive. Even if you go and you win the college finals three times in a row in whatever event. And then you get into the next association or, or whatever it may be. You're always going to get knocked back down at some point in time. But there is a, there are ways to maintain where your lows aren't quite as low and your highs are just as high. Um, what suggestions do you have for people about that?
1: Um, My suggestion for that is regardless of your run, you need to look at the positives first. Don't, like, turn around and be like, man, that really sucked or, man, that was so outstanding. Take, like, the happy medium positives out of it. Like, um, my horse worked really good or I sat up and rode really well. Um, And just find three of them. Find three of those positives regardless of your run and meditate on those. Watch your video, and if it's a bad video, delete it after you've watched it. You already know what happened. You know what to fix. Don't continue watching that. Mm-hmm. And um, so watch your highlight reels constantly. Like, have it on your phone. Have it, you know, say where you're constantly kind of watching that. So it's like, yeah, I can do this. And when you put that mindset in forward of, like, I can do this, um, with the positive, it allows it to... When you do have good runs, you're like, well, I already knew I could do that. It's not like, oh my gosh, I did it. I can't believe it. This is amazing. And when it doesn't go the way you want it to, you're like, all right, well, that's all right. I can still, I know I can still do it. And these are the positives that came out of that run. Um, and it just kind of helps you so you don't get that, and I suck! I can't believe I do this. Why do I always do this mentality or the, oh my gosh, we did it. Woohoo. We're on top of the world. <laughs>
0: right. Yes. And then, so you have some other stuff in the book too. Um, Like when is it time to step up? So that's another thing that I, I feel like some kids that I work with as well really struggle with knowing, you know, when their comfort zone is. And I think that goes with the peaks and the valleys and the, you know, the rolling hills because there's times that we get on top, but then we get into our comfort zone and then we forget that it's time. Okay, now it's time to go to the next level. So let's talk about that a little bit.
1: No, exactly. Um, There is times where you get on top and you just stay on top. And because that's where you're comfortable, you don't challenge yourself. Um, There's a saying that if you are the smartest in the room, you need to find a new group of friends. Um, And I think that that's true. You know, um, when I was in high school rodeo, I, I never made the high school finals. I don't know if you know that, but I never did. I was always out of it, out of it, out of it. Um, but that didn't mean that I wasn't good. And so I could have stayed in my comfort zone, stayed in the um, collegiate region where I high school rodeos. but instead I wanted to step out. I was like, you know what? It's time for me to step up, get new crowd around me, change my comfort zone, leave home where I know that, like, I I was used to that. My parents always like, it's okay. We got this, you know, that support system. I'm going to leave that. I'm going to leave everything and I'm going to go challenge myself and see if, I'm actually good, and by doing that, I was able to be leading the college rodeo region my freshman year, going um, oh, so into awesome. that in spring semester. You know, and it—I never really would have thought I would have been able to do that had I not stepped out and left and left my comfort zone.
0: Yeah, um, and, and that's then, a tough region it, too.
1: Pardon?
0: I said, and that's a pretty tough region too.
1: Exactly. Yeah, and. Um, you know, it's, it's stepping out of it. Like you can be college rodeo and college rodeo and college rodeo. I know, I personally have a friend who, <laughs> he never made the college finals, you know, and now he's a two time NFR qualifier. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's like, he never made the college finals. So do you say you can't go pro rodeo, you know, but it's like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to take this step up. I'm going to challenge myself more. Like he was the best person in the practice then day in and day out. And so that wasn't challenging him, you know. But he was like, you know what, I'm going to step up, I'm going to get around these other guys that are freaking awesome, and they can help guide me where I'm not the best person in the process anymore, and look where he was able to propel, you know. Yeah. Um, so I was just, it's just making sure that you're not the uh, smartest one in the room. You want to be, you're the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. So put yourself around hustlers, workers, um, ones that are better than you so that you can grow.
0: Yes. When I was in high school or in college, I could tie goats pretty well, but when it came to breakaway, oh my gosh, I struggled in the breakaway. I mean, I think I only made maybe three short goes in the three years that I college rodeoed, but I could come home every summer and make it to the top three or four, have a chance to win the IRCA finals, which is our amateur rodeo association around here. That's pretty tough. And I don't know what it was about being surrounded by my peers or what the mental block that i had at college rodeos was in the in the breakaway but there was just something about it that didn't work for me and i still try to figure out what that was to this day because it was the same in barrel racing and i did similar to your friend i mean i haven't made the nfr by any means but i had a nice horse and as soon as i got out of college rodeo i bought my permit and filled my permit the first year pro rodeoed on him and. And rodeoed successfully and didn't have any luck in college and so it's it is it could be completely just surrounding myself with different people in a different element and getting out of the there's so many benefits to college rodeo and if you have the opportunity to do it I highly recommend it I think it's wonderful and it's awesome and you learn so much and you meet so many people but it's not the end-all, be-all. I think stepping out and making sure that you're joining the other associations outside of it, still going to the jackpots, and, and like you said, leveling up. You know, always be leveling up.
1: I was in a you know, in high school playing, that, like, we played down to our competition. And we played up to our competition. And I think rodeo is the same way. And there's, I love college rodeo. I mean, shoot, this is my, like, sixth year in college rodeo. Year. Yeah. Like, I love college rodeo. Don't get me wrong. Um, but it's, it's crazy because, like, even though, like, I wrote this book on mental health, or, like, how to think and train and transform into a champion, but, like, I still struggle with the breakaway. Shoot, I went to a breakaway the other weekend, and I was like, I felt like that was the first time I'd ever been on a horse, you know? It's mm-hmm. like, shoot. Like, why is it um, – that I'm so much better at mentally at go time than I'm, I am at breakaway and same with you know I've, I've been working with a young barrel horse and it's the first one that I've trained and my boyfriend's like she's ready to go like you need to start taking her I'm like no like that, that's not possible like I, I <laughs> couldn't have done that and he's like why <laughs> Um, and it's just, like, success-wise, I've had more success in the goat tying, mm-hmm. and I think it's because it's more of the physical aspect. Um, I can work in the gym, and it reflects in my goat tying. I can work, um, reading books, and it reflects in the goat tying. You can always continue constantly through the goat tying, you know? Um, whereas, like, the barrel racing, it's funny, I get excited, like, first good, really good first barrel, really good second barrel, and then going to the third, I'm like, oh, ah, this is so good, you know? Um, it's almost like I have a harder time staying focused that much longer and then the breakaway it happens so much faster but it's like I almost can't i haven't been able to train myself to um fire mentally that fast in a two one seven two second range right. you know um where in go time I mean like I got that run down there to not get me set up you know I'm like oh yeah I got this right
0: <laughs> I, I do know. kind of feel like there's I less variables through that Yeah, I think there's a few less variables in goat tying than there are in some of the other events. Like, to me, barrel racing, and I I ride barrel horses and train some barrel horses, and it is probably one of the hardest events out there. I mean, aside from, like, trying to stay on a bowl or something, because I have no desire to do that, and I'm not athletic enough, nor do I want to try to do it, (laughs) but barrel racing is trying like there's so much that goes into your mind like you said staying focused through every single barrel and then you have a thousand pound 1200 pound animal between your legs that you have to keep their mind and their feet and everything in the right place and there's so many aspects to it that um I think that's one that I am still it's Every event is always a learning process, but I do think in the goat tying, you know, you always know you have a fixed amount to the goat. The goat is always going to be on a 10-foot rope. And so you, yeah. th- it's just a little bit easier to train yourself for goat tying than, you know, in breakaway. You know, your score is going to be different every single time. The calves are going to be different every single time. And, um, you know, where they go and what they do. And, I, yeah, I, I'm with you that goat tying for me was also – easier to stay focused on and confident in. And I think it's because there's just a few more fixed variables than the other events.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I'm not saying that um get because it's, you know, fixed is always going to be easier than the others. I'm just saying, like, for me personally, right, I have, I'm still working through, okay, how do I mentally prepare myself for those quicker, quicker ones? And then, or when... I'm focusing, not just myself, but my horse, like for the barrels, and like how do I stay focused that much longer of a time period? So there's different ways. Like you've got to train your brain differently in all three of it. To yeah, find
0: success. Yeah. Um,
1: so how are you I've been training able to your do brain? It for the one, and I'm still working on it. The other two. Right.
0: Yes. So how are you training your
1: brain? So I do a lot of podcasting. I listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, I do a lot of self, positive self-talk, um, every morning I get up, um, I read my devotional and I take that time and I journal, I journal what I'm grateful for. I journal, um, how my day's gone, where I see myself, you know, I, I write down my goals and I reflect on that every day. Um, and then I go into the day and I do some sort of yoga or meditating, um, and I found that has been a huge change for me, being able to do that. Um, and then just the positives. I always try to find the positives and run good, bad, in between. What are my positives?
0: Mm-hmm. You are right up my alley, girl. I do almost all that stuff.
1: <laughs> you know, it was all because I read a book that was like, "What?" the... I'm trying to remember what the title of it was. But it was um, the five things that the most successful people in the world do, and mm-hmm. the first one was get up early, like at 5 o'clock. Um, the second one was make their bed, which I was actually kind of surprised about. The third one was exercise. The fourth one was they do some sort of praying or meditating, um, and then what was it? the fifth one was they stick to a diet. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know that is five pretty cool things that I'm going to try and put in my life, you know? Um, and since doing that, it's like, you know what? No, I don't get up at 5am every day. Right. (laughs) You know, um, that praying, following the word, meditating, exercise, making my bed. Like those things are something that when you stick to it, it, I feel like it just propels you forward that much farther.
0: Yeah, there's a really cool, and I'm sure you've seen it, a video on Facebook or on YouTube about the making your bed where a, a sergeant or somebody in the military was giving a speech at a college. And he says the thing about making your bed every morning is that the first thing that you do is you've accomplished something already. so You've already set yeah. yourself up for success that day.
1: Yeah, and I mean there's a book called Make Your Bed too and I wonder if it's the same. I think the it is. Sergeant that you know uh, did that video wrote that book. Um but yeah, you just you accomplished something already. Like regardless of how good or crappy your day goes, you've accomplished something that you can be proud of.
0: Yeah, um, and I and don't
1: there's... Go ahead. Go ahead, sorry. Oh, that's okay.
0: The um you know the writing down what you're grateful for and doing the reflecting and that kind of stuff in the morning it doesn't have to be that long like i have a planner that has three lines that are maybe two inches long and it says self-care on one of them and then the next one is i'm grateful for like it doesn't you don't have to write a book every morning it can literally be sitting down for five minutes or two minutes if that's all you have and just taking the time to say i'm grateful for this is what I'm doing for myself, this is what my goal is for the day, and or this is what I've accomplished, or whatever it is that you feel like you need to write, but it doesn't have to take an hour every day.
1: No, it doesn't, and I think that, that we all, especially like younger kids, we're like, you know, we're going to jump into it, and, because I know how I was like a freshman in college, like, man, I've got to spend like two hours a day on this, two hours a day on this, okay? Just the fact of doing it, whether it takes three minutes to 30 minutes to an hour, it doesn't matter. As long as you sit down and do something for yourself that's going to help you get mentally focused for the day.
0: Yes, I agree with that. Okay, so let's go back to what you do in your daily routine. So we're talking about that um, and how you start your mornings. How do your practice sessions look?
1: So my practice sessions for the day, like when I'm wanting to do all three events that day, I usually go ahead and start with barrels just because I know it's the longest um, mental part for me. Um, and so I'll start with, you know, warming up my horse, walking through the pattern, trotting through the pattern, and kind of slow loping and sitting through um, and doing that and then cooling out. out. Uh, then I like to go to breakaway. So um, the next one, and um, that takes it, – it's super short. So I went from the longest to the shortest event. And during that, I try to pick out what I'm working on that day um, and tell myself as I'm walking in the box, uh, thumb down, hips forward. Um, I really like to either lean or I like to sit too far. So just keeping those two things in my head, thumb down, hips forward, helps me get to the center of the saddle. And I know if my thumb is down, my tip's going to be good and down. Um, I won't be swinging up in the air, and I won't, you know, if it's down, I usually... Uh, my hips down, I can finish my throw really nicely. Um, And then when it comes to the go time, I always stretch first. (laughs) I'm Mm -hmm. an old lady. (laughs) Go time for years. I feel like I've been trying. It wears your body out. And um, after several injuries, I've learned the importance of stretching. So I definitely stretch before. um, And then I warm up my strength. And I just stand and do 20 perfect plank and ties. I stuff, so I want 20 per- perfect stuff, and then I want to be able to put my string on, tie it tight 20 times in a row. Get up, like, And if I don't get my 20 times in a row, I start back over. Okay. Um, and then after I've done that as a good warm-up in my brain, you know, I can do this. I know how... Because, you know, girls, the majority of the time, I feel like our struggle in the goat time is when you are doing... Once you get the goat. So if you can 20 times in a row plank and tie it, then you should be good to go two times in a weekend plank and try it without any mistake. Yes. Um, and then I slowly start um, with the running into the go, getting my position. I also call her so it's a little bit different um, in that aspect. Like I don't run all the way into his chest. Um, I run mm, a little bit farther back from that because I grab the collar kind mm-hmm. of pull him to me. Um, and I'll usually work I'll run and do like four or five in a row and kind of see how it's feeling, and then I'll challenge myself. I do some sort of game, as in let's time against the clock, and I have to be under a three five every time. Um, or I'll do go short rounds. or like getting ready for the college finals. Um, I usually do let's do um, four four runs in a row, you know, mm-hmm. and just doing things like that slowly. Uh, I. Hardly ever step off my horse. Um, I usually try to do uh, treadmill work or a horse saver. Uh, I'll step off my horse maybe once a week when I'm competing. So, like, we have a college rodeo. I'll probably step off either Monday or Tuesday, and then he will have off the rest of the week and then um, when the rodeo comes up. But that's just, I mean, he's seasoned. I've had him since he was six years old he's been tying kind goes, of, he knows the routine you know um, he's very trustworthy I know some people there's you got to do more on that uh, especially younger you got to get that timing with that horse but um, uh, me and my horse are kind of good with that and my mm-hmm. really can't say stepping off you know <laughs> that many
0: times yeah a week. I was the same way I did a lot of groundwork and if I practiced on my horse too often he would start ducking is one thing that I learned about him. So I just, I got to where my get-offs were really good. I knew that there were, there was one arena in high school and there were two arenas in college that he would duck. And I have no idea why. I could never figure it out. But, so I always had to prepare for for my early get-offs on, on those arenas. But for the rest of it, it was all same deal, just a lot of groundwork. And, and like you were talking about the scenarios, I really encourage all the kids at my clinics and that's what made the big difference for me. Um, I didn't start tying until I was um, a, a month before my first high school rodeo and then I made the high school finals my junior year but I went through a phase where things went south real bad and the only way for me to get out of that rut was to figure out how to prepare myself for those arenas before I got there. So my mom would hold my goats for me on the ground and she would say, okay, which rodeo arena are you at? What's it like? What's it look like? What's the ground like that day? Did they forget to water it? Did it rain six inches last night? Is it snowing? Um, you know, what's your goat gonna do? And even if, you know, I had been tying the same goat for three weeks and he wasn't gonna go left, I would pretend like, okay, he went left for the girl before, so I'm gonna really be prepared for him to go left. And my horse ducked out or whatever, and I would just close my eyes and visualize that scenario in my head and then go make that run and you can get to every single arena that you're going to compete at throughout the entire year every single practice so when you get there you're ready for whatever that goat that ground that weather the girls around you that are chirping in your ears like you can set yourself up to block out the negativity to block out the parents to block out the noise if you practice it every day by yourself in your head
1: exactly and you know that's you say that like in practice and um i do that stuff you know too at the rodeos like before um, i try to get there you know the day before the rodeo starts so that i can get everything set up and in, in my trailer um i'll go and walk through the arena kind of feel what the grounds like a little bit um and kind of think and visualize my runs like how i'm gonna do and you know i mean i visualize like what shirt am i wearing um, the saddle pad that I have on my horse, the boots that I have on my horse, uh, what the stands are going to be like, the sounds, the announcer's voice. Like, you visualize all those little details. Um, and then like when you're preparing for your event, um, I try really hard. One of uh, My current coach, CJ Aragon, he made a point about um, you need to not uh, start thinking about your event if your event's not going to be until noon. Don't start thinking about it at eight, 8 o'clock in the morning, you know. Um, give yourself your your 10-minute time frame where, okay, you're going to go ahead and go get your horse saddle and get on him. And then go then go get your draw, and then be like, all right, this is what this goat did. I watched it. Or this is what this cat's going to do. I watched it. This is my game plan. Leave it alone. Go warm up your horse and then come back and do it again. Um, it's that sometimes we can overthink ourselves. Definitely. And I've seen it, especially with girls, um, where it's like, oh my gosh, like, I looked at this goat that I have, and I looked at it and as soon as they posted the draw, and I know that he's no good, and he ran right, and then he ran left, and he kicked really bad, and he's gonna be horrible, and they literally think themselves into oblivion, so when that was their turn to go, they step off, the goat doesn't do all those things, and he runs left, just like a nice little pup, but they can't, they're like, nope, 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 he was supposed to do this, and they're animals, so we can't really fully think ourselves, like, this is what he's going to do, and this is what I'm going to do, and this is what I'm going to do. That's why I like that time going down there. Like, I have my plan. If he runs wild, you know, I'm going to step off. Um, I'm going to run to the middle of the arena. And mm-hmm. step up. I'm not going to have my horse set off the stake or whatever. I'm going up the middle, try to push that goat to the left. But as I'm running down there, I see what's going on. It's like, I'm going to adjust to that. Because I, I can adjust to it. Because I didn't think myself into a set mindset of this is what it's going to do. So I have to react this way.
0: Yeah. And I think that that whole checking the draw and everything. Parents can really take that advice that you just said as well. Like it's important for parents to let the kids. I guess I don't really know how to say this without offending anybody. But let your teach your kids how to go check the draw and do all that kind of stuff and don't psych them out don't put that negative those negative thoughts in their head if the goat went left three times in a row okay tell your kid it might go left like just be prepared but you know if you've done the practice then you can adjust you have to be one of the best pieces of advice that i ever got was from tana Rennick. i lived with her down in oklahoma and um she's a, a very good barrel horse trainer and she told me one day I had my eyes closed and I was visualizing this run and I was telling her everything that I was going to do. And she just looked at me and she said, "Cammy, you got to ride for feel. You can't go run in there and have your perfect plan because it's not going to work. And I was like, wow. And I went in there on this horse that had never been in the 2D before. He was still really green. And like at the most, he'd been maybe in the money in the 3D. And we went in there and won the 2D because I rode for feel instead of riding for how I thought it was supposed to be.
1: Yes, and so, oh my gosh, I love that you said that because um, kind of the same thing, like when you when you overthink things, I had another coach while I was at Oklahoma Cat State University, uh, Shelby Weeder, Shelby Rose now. I, that spring had started, and I mean, I was thinking myself into oblivion. Like I was just falling off the, rag- the wagon. And she comes up to me before a rodeo, or before a run, and she sees, I mean, I am thinking through it, right? Like, I mean, you can see smoke coming out of my ears because my <laughs> wheels are turning that bad. And she's like, Kaylee, it is a 40-pound on the end of a 10-foot rope. They tie it." Yeah. And, I'm like, that just blew my mind. I'm like, oh, my gosh. You're right. Yeah. I was like, how many times have you done this? I'm like, a lot. She's like, so you know what you're doing. This goat tie a 40-pound goat on the end of a 10-foot rope. Uh-huh. And it just changed my mindset of how I was able to get ready at rodeos. So, like, I wasn't overthinking myself. I'm like, I've done this. I've tried so many goats. I've tried every goat that's done everything, almost, I feel like. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know I haven't probably actually. But, you know, like, I, I can figure out the scenario of how to adjust to it when it's happening. Why am I thinking about how I need to put myself in every position and putting myself in a disadvantage.
0: Right. Yeah, you can practice. You practice in the practice pin, all those scenarios and all those things, and you prepare yourself in the practice pin so that when you get to the rodeo, all you have to do is go tie the goat.
1: Exactly. Or go roast the calf or go turn three barrels or go run around six poles. You know, it's, yep. you've done your practice you do what you've
0: been practicing before. Mm-hmm. My dad always used to ask us, he would say, so what's the object of the game? And it would say to rope the calf or to put two horns in the loop or two feet in the loop. Like that's all there is to it. That is the object of the game. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Exactly. So if somebody is having trouble and they're in a slump and say, you know, they've put that time in, they're overthinking, Obviously, we just need to simplify it. But what other advice do you have for them if they're, if they're really struggling?
1: You know, there's time to just step back and take a 10-minute break. Like, if you're in the process and, and you're trying and you're trying, sometimes it's best to say, you know what, I'm kind of done for today. I'm going to take a step back. I'm going to come back to it in 30 or 45 minutes. I'm going to do something else and come back. Um, Redirecting yourself is sometimes the best thing that you can do. Um, I I have girls that I help with at clinics, and one of the things that I like to do is they're getting ready to run, right? And they've, they've been really struggling running and trying to go. And I say, what's your favorite color? And they look at me like what? And why are you asking me this? I'm trying to try go, and I'm frustrated. I'm like, no, what's your favorite color? And they tell you, and you're like, all right, cool. So what's your favorite food that's that? that, is that is, resembles that color, and they're like, What the heck are you doing? And in the middle of it, they're thinking, they're thinking, they're thinking about all these questions. I'm asking them, What's their favorite food? What's their favorite color? What's their favorite horse Um, do you know what the word of the day is? And then it's like, Okay, sometimes time to go, and they, they're so they started thinking about something else, but they just go through the motions again, and it works out for them. Mm-hmm. So sometimes just redirecting your mind. Um, can really help you get out of that and then once it's a good run and you've had a rough practice end on it not the one more one more one more like nope i came in here and i accomplished what i wanted to do i'm gonna leave it at that
0: yes i think that's awesome advice just the ending on the last good one especially if you've been having a tough day is so important or you know if Whatever that limit is, whether it's one or I have to do three more in a row, but don't make yourself do 10 or 20 or 15 because it's not going to work and everybody's just going to go crazy. The person holding the goat who's trying their best to help you and you're going to create more bad habits by doing that than you are good habits.
1: Exactly. And I continue to struggle as I've gotten older and now I'm like an old lady in the goat trying world, you know. I see these freshmen come in and sophomores and – even juniors and seniors that they come in and they just they just keep pushing they just keep pushing and they just keep pushing oh well I've got to tie for 45 minutes today, and it's like don't don't set yourself on that it's quality over quantity Mm -hmm. and that's come with age and time and patience (laughs) because I was the same way I'm like I'm going to come out here and I'm going to tie for two hours today I'm going to tie until my hands leave and that's didn't really help me because at some point your body gets tired your mind gets tired and so then you start making bad habits mm-hmm. so if you can come in and even if it's 10 minutes is all you tied on the ground you just and tied for 10 minutes and then went and got on your horse and those that 10 minutes was like flawless runs, then you don't need to keep sitting there and tying it for another 20 minutes you know it quality over quantity and yes. I think that that, with the one more, the person with one more, is a lot of rodeo athlete problems when it comes to their mental game, when it comes to post
0: I think that's all ages as well. Yes. Yeah, that's one thing that I have found with training courses. Uh, my mom is a pusher. She is one who... She wants to get on a colt, and she wants them to do this right, and then she wants them to do that right, and then she wants them to do it right again and again and again. And so we've had to have lots of conversations about, like, if they do it right, you need to reward them. And there's a time to ask for more, but especially, you know, for me when I work with kids and colts, they're, you know, to me, horses and people are so much alike, and they go through phases in the same way, and they learn the same ways um so I compare horses to people a lot and if I have a colt that I struggled with for 45 minutes one day teaching them to do this one maneuver if they do it in 10 minutes the next day I'm done I'm gonna let them know we we have been working for that we tried all day yesterday and only got it once and today you got it the first time this is what I wanted you to do this is what I want you to remember we're done good job
1: you know, I really like you. I feel like we think a lot alike. I
0: agree. <laughs> yes, yeah. It's... That's
1: exactly how I am, too. I'm like, what? we did it. Let's work out. Good
0: job. Yeah, and I feel the same way in clinics. You know, I think if you're going to invest in the clinic, uh, you should definitely invest in a two-day clinic because the first day is always just getting through all of the bad habits and tying the goat at the very basic level or turning the barrel or roping the bale or whatever it is that you're at that clinic for. You're trying to break old habits, create new habits. Your brain is just a turn and turn and turn in. And like my goal in a clinic the first day is to just see a light bulb. I just want you to do it right two times. I want you to look at me and say, I felt it or I get it. And you know you can just see that light bulb go off in their head. And then after they sleep on it and they come back the next day, I mean, those kids are cranking out, you know, from going 12 second times to nine second times just overnight. But they allow themselves to process it and break down the old habits, sleep on it. And then when they do good the next day, it's like, yes, that is what it's all about. And that's something that you need to take into your everyday practices is breaking it down to just simple tasks that you're going to work on. Get it down the first day. Work on it. Put all that effort into it. Sleep on it. The next day, come back and try it out. Okay, so Erica, do you have any questions for Kaylee?
1: Um, I I think y'all covered like most of the ones that I had thought up. I almost kind of forgot that I could talk. It was like listening to the podcast already done. I'm over here taking notes and forgot that I could ask. (laughs) um, I guess like I'm in college radio right now in the southwest region. And what do you think is, like, the one thing, either in a classroom or in the arena that you learn in college rodeo that you've taken with you, like, as you've gone through your life? That's a really, really good question. Um,
0: That's why she's our intern.
1: <laughs> college rodeo, um, and I've taken it to life, is, it's your personal growth it's not it's not what actually happens in the arena in the classroom it's how you've grown through those opportunities it's not about the wins and losses Um, as much as we think that people remember that they really don't Um, they remember who you are if you cheered for them if you were a kind person if you helped them Uh, pass a class, if you help them on the side of the road with a flat tire, those are the things people remember. Um, And just reaching out and being a good person through college rodeo, it's it's not about whether you win or lose. It's not about whether you graduated with a 4.0 or a 2.0. It's the journey that made you a good person throughout.
0: I love that and I want to add to that and then Erica you can ask your next question but I've been reading the book called The Champion's Mind and it's an mm-hmm. awesome book. I highly recommend it and there was just recently I read a part and it was talking similar that when it comes to sports especially like in life in general we're all just passing through. So who, if you're the champion today then in 10 years somebody else is going to be the champion. Like we're all just spending our time here and it's not like you said it's not about your accolades or your accomplishments or anything. It's it's what memories are you going to leave behind, you know, that other people are going to really remember you by because you're just passing through and your statistics on the on the scoreboard. Exactly. Um and it's that's so
1: true. You know, you are you're passing through and uh, just for like the listeners and two, can you tell me who won the world title in the barrel racing five years ago mm-hmm. like can either of you tell me that like without going and looking it up you don't remember right you know I mean it, it doesn't mean that it didn't happen it doesn't mean that it's not still an amazing you know goal accomplished it's mm-hmm. just it's not at the end of the day it's not about the trophies buckles, money earned. It's the memories, connection, and the people you meet along the way.
0: Yeah. Your trophies aren't who you are. That's just what you did.
1: Exactly. Exactly. It's a reward for the hard work, tears, and blood you put forward.
0: Yes, ma'am. What else you got, Erica?
1: Um, kind of along the same lines, but did you have any like crazy experience or anything, like, big struggle that you had on the way to the rodeo? Like, what's the wildest thing that's happened to you on the road that you didn't ever think you'd have to prepare for? Well, the the very first wild thing that ever happened is my mom and I were getting ready to go to a rodeo, and it was frantic. We we're hustling, you know, getting everything loaded, saddles, bits, clothes, food. Take off down the road, we get 10 miles away. My mom looks at me and goes, Kaylee, I think we forgot something. And I was like, I looked at her, and my mouth dropped. And I was like, oh, my gosh, we forgot my horse. Oh,
0: no. So that's, like, the first
1: one. I was just so excited to go, you know, and forgot my horse. Um, But the actual, like, truthfully, scariest one is I was driving down the road. um, And it was on Easter weekend. I was headed to a jackpot in Glen Rose, Texas and both of my tires on my right side of my trailer sheared the bolts and flew off at the exact same time going 75 down the road my my right side of my trailer just dropped um then it took me uh about a quarter of a mile to get slowed down and stopped because i mean it's swerving it's fully loaded with horses and hay and water and i have no cell service i can't get a hold of anybody i'm in the middle of a draw Thankfully, my mom was with me, but she she kind of was freaking out, you know, so I'm like, okay, okay, well, um, this really nice guy was able to stop by, and he was able to get one tire on, he, um, and he ended up, I mean, it took him, like, three hours to get it where we could kind of put a tire off, and we were able to hunt into town, um, but it was really scary. I mean, he even told me, he's like, I don't know how you kept this trailer up on the road and didn't roll it, because going that fast and everything happening that quickly, it should have flipped to my trailer. Somebody was looking out for you. you know, um, I just, that was one of those times where it's like, okay, God's looking out for me. I got angels with me. Everything happened. Everything's good, and I've learned from that. Now, make sure you don't um, tighten your lug nuts too tight because that was the problem. (laughs) I have experienced
0: that too. Luckily, mine was only going, we were going like five miles per hour cause we were, we'd stopped. I'd just gotten my tires um, a, all, whatever the correct term is for it. <laughs> They'd been changed and aligned. That's the word I'm looking for. I just got my tires aligned and I drove like an hour and a half to pick up the people that I was hauling with that weekend. And we drove like another 10 miles and I went to go turn to the right at a stop sign. And there was just this huge, thud and I was like oh my gosh what was that and one of the guys that I was with he's kind of savvy at that stuff and he got to looking around he's like I don't see anything at all and then we looked at the front right tire on my truck and all but two of the lug nuts and the the bolts were completely busted off like if we would have gone any further any faster the whole we probably would have flipped the truck same deal that is crazy oh and
1: then as you're saying that I was thinking like the last one that I had the but, and it was probably the scariest. but again I was lucky that I was with so those um, the death system on our truck uh, malfunctioned caught on fire <gasps> and we had full truckload of hay in the back we had just filled the propane tanks on the trailer and we also had the generator and the gas for the generator in the back of the truck um, oh. we were able because I had both my mom and my dad with me dad started he stopped the truck he started unhooking the trailer as quickly as he could mom and I were unloading horses and throwing them out on the road and dad was able to drive the truck away and uh, we were able to call the fire department and have them come put the fire out but I was like had I been by myself I wouldn't have been able to unhook the trailer and get my door out and safely drive away you know and get the truck a safe distance away if something's happening um And because I was with people that, like, I was with my mom and dad, they were able to help me, and and we were able to talk through it. Okay, Kaylee, if this happened while you were by yourself, what would you do? And as we talked through it, it was like, okay, I would get out of the truck, I would hurry up, and I would just unload the horses. I would just start throwing them, like, just back them out of the trailer, get them out on the road, and then get as as far away from the truck and trailer as possible. Leave the truck and trailer, let them burn if they need to, because your safety is the most important and you got your horses out and whether or not they're out on the road running around, you know, um, somebody would stop and help you get them, but make sure that your safety um, is covered.
0: Yes, I agree with that. And for the dads and the moms out there, I always highly recommend that for a graduation gift, or even sooner, that you get your kids a battery-powered impact wrench and teach them how to charge the batteries and how to use it and how to use a jack, because you're going to save your kids a lot of heartache and missed rodeos and struggles if they can get the lug nuts off of their trailers.
1: Absolutely. I yep, knew that was perfect. you <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly it. My dad actually, when I graduated, he, he did that for me. He also gave me like a full toolbox, box, right? And uh, while I was at Vernon College, I remember the boys coming up to me and they would just go in my trailer because they knew I had all the tools. And whenever they had a <laughs> And they're like, oh, yeah, we borrowed that. We knew you had it. So
0: <laughs> Yes. And it's amazing how much more willing guys are to help a girl if they have power tools yes it is crazy isn't it like oh man this is so much easier yes i blew nine tires on my trailer the first semester of college i guess i had bent axles didn't know about that before then but i dang sure know about it now so i people didn't even want to ride with me luckily i was dating a guy so he got stuck changing a bunch of my tires but i definitely got a battery-powered impact wrench for christmas yes do you have anything else
1: erica um, I don't think so. Okay. Nothing I can think of
0: right now, anyway. All right. Kayla, we're going to ask you just a few more questions, and then we'll wrap everything up. Um, so, what is your favorite
1: quote? So, um, I was thinking about that, and I actually have three different types of books that, I, that are, like, my favorite. Um, the first one that I would say is um, everyone needs to read, no matter what age group you are, um, and read it as a family, read it as a couple, read it as, like... All Kinds and Gifts of Imperfection by Brene Brown. It's outstanding. Um, She's outstanding. I've read a lot of her books, and they're they're self-help books, but it really tells you, like, it it makes you feel you're not alone in some of the ways that we mentally think about things, um, from sports to family to relationships. To God, I mean, it, it just kind of covers everything. And it points out that all of us are imperfect, and those imperfections are a truly gifts um, from God to set us apart from others. Um, for young kids starting out, um, I would recommend, you know, Mind Gym uh, by Gary Mack. It is outstanding. I've read it seven or eight times. I have a copy of it that, I mean, I just read through it, read through it, read through it, um, highlighted market and even now I still get stuff out of it and then the last one is after you've read Mind Jam, after um, you've read Gifts of Imperfection and after you've read, you know, Speedy Goat, um, yes. Go Ahead and Read Relentless by Tim S. Grover I don't recommend it for younger kids there is some swearing in it um, there's some, it, it's definitely some hardcore um, in your face <laughs> reality, you know Um, So sometimes it doesn't really work good, but the points of it, of how when you get to a certain level, you need to have that confidence about yourself and your abilities um, and how to go forward and not care what everybody else thinks about you and just care about what you think about you, that book is far and above the best one I've read um, that hits all those points.
0: All right. We'll write those down in the footnotes at the end of the podcast. What is your favorite, or what are your favorite quotes or Bible verses?
1: Okay, so my favorite quote right now um, is Chasing Yet, Um, and it's by Matthew McConaughey, uh, and he talks about it. He has a new book. It's called Green Light, but he's talking about Chasing Yet, and it's who you're going to be. You're you're constantly chasing that person. And then my favorite Bible verse is Psalm 3734, Trust the Lord and do what is good. Dwelling in the land and live securely. Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you your heart's desires. And that is one through the ups and the downs. I'm like, you know what? Regardless of what's going on in life, like if you take delight in the Lord and know that He has a goal for you, He has a plan for your life. He loves you. He wouldn't put desires in your heart that. He didn't think you could accomplish. Everything that you, you want, your dreams, your goals, God put there for a reason. And he's asking for you just to trust in him and he will lead you to the, in the direction that you need to have your heart's desires fulfilled.
0: I love that. I think that having faith is such a important part of competition, of life, of relationships, of everything that Christ and having faith needs to be a part of all of it because it will make the highs and the lows so much easier. It will give you a purpose for what you're doing. And like you said, even like God doesn't put something in your heart without a reason. And if he sets a goal for you to be, you know, the you think your goal is to be the high school rodeo champion or the collegiate champion or or the, make the NFR or whatever it may be, and you don't achieve that goal he still set that in your heart because of the detour that you took, the lessons that you learned, the people that came into your life because of that. So if you don't necessarily accomplish, you know, the, the end all be all goal, that's not the reason that it was actually put in your heart. So always be looking for, you know, the real purpose of, of what you're learning and who you've become because of that goal that you had.
1: Exactly. I agree 1,000% with us.
0: Yeah, if you have any like last little pieces of advice that you would give kids who are who are rodeoing and who are trying hard or uh, what would you say?
1: I would say go into it with a positive attitude. Uh, leave the arena with a positive attitude. Good, bad, or in between. Don't let. The audience shouldn't know your reaction when you leave the arena whether you want or you want. It should be the same regardless. Carry your head as a champion
0: and you'll become a champion. I like it. And then you said you're starting to do some clinics and I'm sure you've done some lessons um, as you've been in in goat tie and stuff. Do you have any advice for parents?
1: My biggest advice for parents is push your kids with an intent to help them succeed, and by doing that, it's not okay. Well, now you need to do this. Now you need to do this. it see okay, that was really good. Let's do this with implementing this. It's, it's how you encourage them and push them in a positive manner, and not in a way where there's a point where kids are done in practice. And I've done lessons where kids are. I mean, they're they're mentally, physically worn out. They're trying to for their parents so much and all they're wanting is that phrase of like we're proud of you, good job that was good and not hearing the but mm-hmm. you know and sometimes as a parent knowing when to just say the positives and leave the but out of it is critically important to help your kid actually hit those successful goals That you
0: so badly want for them. And they want for themselves. Mm Mm-hmm. There's something out there. I don't know if it's a quote or if it's a book. But there's a statement at least out there that says, when you're saying something and your sentence has a but in it, nothing matters before the but. Like if if you give praise, 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 praise. Like you did a great job. You did wonderful. But at that point in time, nothing else matters. It doesn't matter how much praise your kid. If you say but, they're, that's what they're focused on. They didn't do good enough at that point in time.
1: Exactly. And I just think, as parents, if you can leave out the but, in any conversation that you're having in the practice bin on the road, that will be critical to their child's mental abilities in and out of the area.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think rather than, and I, the stuff that comes after the butt still needs to be addressed at some point in time. If if there's something that you think that your kids need help working on, then try not to to put the butt in it, but change it to a question. Like, okay, so you did really really good with this, this, and this. Um, you know, we did. We have our three positives that we worked on. What are things that you think we can improve on, or that you can improve on, and put that back on your kid to come up with what they need to, so that it becomes their responsibility to work on it, not their responsibility to please you.
1: Exactly. You said that so perfectly. <laughs> like, I'm like, when, when we're done with this, I'm going to re-listen to this and write that down. <laughs> okay. You said that on point. And it, 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 it's not they they need to be told what they did wrong. They know what they did wrong. hmm you know putting that in the question okay like letting you think we need to work on yeah and letting them talk and not immediately jump on them and be like yeah and let's do that let them talk it out and respond with a like yeah that's something that I think we can work on how do you think we can work on this the best way or how do you want to move forward with it it's more of that asking a question to get the answer that you want as a parent if that makes sense
0: Yeah, and I, when parents ask me questions about, you know, well, my kids learn so much more from you, you know, and, and they just, I'm telling them the same exact thing, and it's like, yeah, but you're also telling them to do their laundry, to make their bed, to pick up their food dishes and put them in the dishwasher, to do their homework. You're telling them to do things from the minute they wake up in the morning until they go to bed, and if that transfers to the rodeo arena, then the subconscious in our minds gets to where it can't differentiate between the annoying do your homework and the annoying, well, you need to work on this, whether they need to work on it or not, as a parent and as a coach, it's really important to find a way to differentiate I'm parenting now and I'm coaching now.
1: Exactly. Yeah. No, that's completely correct. Again, you are on it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That was an Erica. I wrote down your questions before. And so I think it kind of relates to this, but. She uh, wanted to know what you felt like the difference between the mental game of rodeo and the mental game of other sports was.
1: I think that it's the exact same. I think that your mental game, I mean, there's, there's really no mental books that I've seen other than the one that I've written that's strictly on rodeo. And um, if you have some out there that you know that are strictly rodeo, I'd love to read them. Um, But everything I've gotten for my mental gain has been from athletic books, athletic podcasts, um, you know, or even self-help ones. So I think it's just taking it into the term of the arena. Uh, A lot of athletic books talk about the arena as in the football arena, the basketball arena, uh, the hockey arena. So you just got to take that in perspective to your rodeo, Um, your – individuals in rodeo uh not so much a team like yes we're on rodeo teams or a state team um but we're not it's an individualized field so if you can figure out what works for you mentally and go forward and keeping yourself mentally fit by listening to positive stuff knowing what you want working out being disciplined um it's the same in and out of both the arena and basketball all more sports
0: I agree with that, but I also think, and this is something that I've been trying to kind of dive into lately and eventually I have a goal to write a book at some point in time, but the, the thing that I have found that's kind of, uh, I haven't found the book that talks about it, when it comes to rodeo, uh, you have one shot. Like, in basketball, you know, if you're reading a book about basketball or hockey or football or, or whatever it is, you've got however many minutes are in that game or however many quarters to adjust to whatever mistake you made. Whereas in rodeo, it's, you know, when you nod your head and you throw your rope, you're done. If you caught, you caught. If you didn't, you didn't. Like, you don't get to – you don't get another chance to, okay, I can make up for it and I can score two points later. Like It doesn't work that way in rodeo. And – That's one thing that um, if anybody has a book like that, like you said, there is the book uh, Fred Whitfield's Gold Buckle Dreams is a really good book. And then Stevie and Ty Hillman wrote a book that I have not read yet, uh, but it is a rodeo, primarily barrel racing uh, type book. So there are two rodeo books out there that I know of. Um, But if anybody knows of a book that talks about, you know, just that short amount of time that we have in rodeo to – prepare everything um and then we don't get another chance until we load up our horse and go to the next rodeo so that's the that's the only difference that I've seen and I haven't quite figured out how to handle it yet (laughs) maybe I never will it's an always learning process
1: you say that and like that I'm like yeah that makes really good sense I i never or not to my knowledge I haven't thought of it that way like yeah I mean basketball you know you have four quarters eight minute quarters and rodeo you got between two and twenty seconds, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's a very good, good analogy that I
0: hadn't thought of. Yeah, that's something that, that I'm trying to find at some point in time some sports psychologists or something to try to help me figure out like, okay, how do we help other people with that? Because it is a difference and it is it is something that rodeo that stands apart in rodeo events versus other sports events. Yeah. Yeah,
1: that'd be really cool. All right. Well, thank
0: you so much for your time. Um, I'm going to start carrying your book on rodeokids.com, if that's okay with you.
1: Absolutely. I would love for you
0: to. Yes. Yeah, so you'll be able to purchase the book. Um, I'm going to post a, you know, just a little bit more about the book and maybe post a couple of just pictures of what's on the inside so people can see. If you have a child or if you are a rodeo uh, contestant of any type, any athlete, if you're a coach I highly recommend getting one of these books because, like we said in the very beginning, it's easy to read. It applies to all events, even though it does say speedy goats on the front, and it's in the context of females, for the most part. Boys, you can you can learn a lot from it, too. Um, so I do <laughs> definitely recommend that you buy this book and, and sit down, and parents sit down with your kids and... And kind of walk through it with them because that's going to give you an idea of where their heads are at and what their goals are and what their struggles are and and how they're getting through it. And, you know, that's one way that you can be supportive and work on things together versus what they want and what you want for them. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And I also, I have an email, speedygoat.com. at yahoo.com that you guys can reach me at too, and then I also have a Facebook page that uh, you can go and like, and I post uh, clinic opportunities there, um, and some short videos every now and then. And where are you located? Um, right now, I'm in Alpine, Texas. That's where I'm finishing my master's degree. Okay. Um, I will be in Texas for a while. Um, I am from Wyoming, so um, I do get up there every now and then, uh, and
0: yeah. Okay, so if somebody from that area wanted to schedule a lesson or a clinic, they can just reach you at that Speedy Goats with a Z
1: email? Uh, yep, they can do that. Uh, they can message me on Facebook, and uh, I think my phone number is also on uh, the Facebook page so that they can, they can text me or call me. Um, I'm really easy to get a hold of uh, with a text or phone call, too.
0: Awesome. We'll add all of that contact information so that you can contact Kaylee if you want a, a clinic or a schedule or a, a schedule a lesson and see if we can't help your help your times and your mental your mental abilities and everything just get to the next level and help you become a champion.
1: Hey, thank you so much for me I've enjoyed this conversation immensely I've learned a lot yeah it's <laughs> I love been... having other perspectives
0: I know and that's what I was telling Erica yesterday like that's what's fun about the podcast is you just get to learn so much from other people and just sharing this kind of information is is fun like I learned so much from you today and there's lots of concepts and stuff that I've been jotting down and um I just I think it's awesome mm-hmm. Y'all, if you haven't already looked this book up on rodeokids.com to buy for your truck, trailer, sitting at the kitchen table, or wherever it is that you study to get better it is time. You can find the Speedy Goats Mental Edge Workbook, How to Think, Train, and Transform into a Champion by our guest Kaylee Smith on the rodeokids.com website. Again, that's on the rodeokids.com website. It's super easy to find and you will not regret it. So thanks for tuning in and check out our new podcast with our host Erica Heckman next week.